Our scripture today comes from the book of James, the second chapter. I'm going to be reading verses uh, 14 to 18. I think your bulletin says 14 to 19. I'm going to skip 19. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds, can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and be well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Tis the season. Well, close enough, right? I haven't been to Walgreens lately. Are the decorations out for Christmas? Yep, yep. So, tis the season. It's not too early to get started, I guess. Nor was August, apparently. But it's not too early to get started. You know, I, I, I can tell you that um, though it is still, you know, a long ways to December 25th, I am almost done with my Christmas shopping for my children and grandchildren. And by I, I mean Nancy's almost done with my Christmas shopping for my children and grandchildren. We're close. We're close. So we're almost there, uh, uh, so she tells me. Um, I, I still have another gift to buy, and that's the gift I need to buy for Nancy. So if you could give me some ideas, I'll let her know what to purchase. It would be really helpful to me. Um, but, you know, so often we think of gift giving as uh, we dismiss it as consumeristic. And an author um, uh, by the name of Gretchen Rubin recently wrote a book in which she talks about that. She challenges that. She says, gift giving is a universal cultural practice. It's of enormous importance in how people engage with each other. She goes on to talk about that. Uh, she talks about a gift appreciation profile. Now, what this is, this profile is, is um, what gifts certain people appreciate versus what you give them. It's, it's the recipient that we're talking about. And this might help you in your shopping. Listen, to this. she says that um, the connoisseur knows the best of the best and to, pre tends to prefer quality over quantity. They'd probably be thrilled with a high-quality version of something they regularly use but won't splurge on for themselves. That's the connoisseur. As I think about that, uh, my son recently told Nancy, you know, just get me something that, that I wouldn't get for myself because right now I'm in med school. So <laughs> he's not spending a lot on himself. So he, he, he's the connoisseur. He wants, he wants the best, even if it's a little bit of the best. There's the easy-to-please this is the person that appreciates the personal touch and would lo likely love something handmade or an item that would remind them of a shared memory. That's the easy to please. Then there's the enthusiast. That's a person who loves variety and might like scoring the hottest new gadget or a chance to check out the trendiest new restaurant in town. And finally, there's the tried and true. This person likely revels in getting the same gift year after year after year. You might feel like you're being inconsiderate, she writes, by buying your dad peppermint bark year after year. Not so 
if he's the tried and true. I remember Nancy and I would, for years, uh, uh, for her grandfather, we would, we would go to the mall back when they had malls, and um, we would pick out a box of the Hickory Farms sausages and cheeses and give those to her grandfather, Oscar. And uh, I just, I think, <laughs> I didn't ask him, I didn't poll him on this question, but I think he really liked that. He really liked getting that year after year after year. I know my grandmother, we would, we would buy her the box that had the different jellies in it and, and crackers to put the jellies on. And I think she really liked that too. And I mean, they were both in their 80s or 90s. If you're in your 80s or 90s and on a diet, stop it. Come on. Um, but gifts are... Gifts are not only physical things that we give to each other. It's not only an item that we give. You might remember a, a book a while ago, because I, think, because I think gifts are a sign of love. And, and whether it's for, you know, the neighbor that you appreciate or the coworker that, that you feel obligated to, whatever it is, there is a level of love, right? And uh, a level of caring. And, and so gifts are a sign of that love or a sign of that caring. And so sometimes they're not a, an item, in, in a book written, uh, written a while ago, quite a while ago, over 30 years, I think, um, but still relevant today, uh, I use it still in, in uh, premarital counseling, that uh, it's called The Five Love Languages. And you may have heard of that book, The Five Love Languages. And, and what, it, what it suggests is that each one of us receives love best in a, in a particular way. The problem is we tend to give love in the way we like to receive it. And if the one who we're giving it to it doesn't have that way of receiving, there's a cross message there that just doesn't quite connect. And so the five love languages are words of affirmation, the things that we say. It's quality time. And I would suggest that quality time people are also quantity time people. There's physical touch and acts of service. And there's the receiving of gifts. But not everybody thrives on that receipt of a gift. Gifts are a sign of, of love and, and they're received best in particular ways. And, and um, that five love languages suggest that there, there might be particular ways we best receive love. Just like that article from Gretchen Rubin suggests as well. In other words, gifts that are not what the receiver was hoping for are not as much use to the receiver or to the giver in the end. That's kind of what our scripture suggests here a little bit too, right? The, the scripture says that, that if any of you comes across somebody who has a need, who, who needs food or needs clothing, and you say, be well, hope it all goes good for you. I'm praying for you. Prayer's a good thing. Don't hear me wrong. But if you do that, if you speak words of affirmation and don't offer to settle their issue, don't offer a, 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 an act of service or a gift you can offer, what good is it? In, in some religions, for instance, in, in the Muslim religion, um, there, is a, 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 there are certain things they're supposed to do, and among those are almsgiving. Now, what they mean by that, it's an old term, but what it means today is giving to the needs of the poor or the needy, almsgiving. And actually, that's a practice of Christianity as well, right? 
It's, it's, it's a lifelong, uh, a history-long practice to care for those who have less. And so verse 16 of that scripture that says, but does nothing about their physical needs challenges us. Have you really exhibited your love for God if you've done nothing for the person that's suffering? That's what almsgiving is. It's a, your love for God in the way that you love other people. Have you offered words of affirmation when a gift of service would have been much more appreciated? The Bible, especially this passage, teaches that Christianity is not a spectator sport. And I got to give the Protestant disclaimer, right? That's a requirement, right? Because, because Reformation Day was recently, Reformation Day celebrates when Martin Luther um, uh, went to the church door and tacked up those 94 theses, I think it was, 95, I don't remember what the number was, I need a 94 maybe, yeah, whatever, uh, statements about the church that he thought were wrong with the church and started the Protestant Revolution, what we call the Reformation, reform of the church. And, and, and it was, by the way, it wasn't something, a deep shock that he would nail those to the church door. That was their practice. Week after week, they had, we're going to nail this to the door, and this is what we're going to argue about this week. But those particular, actually, the week before, he posted something about deep theology, and nobody showed up to argue it. The 94 theses are about the way the church spends your money, and everybody showed up to argue about it. And that reformed the church. So from the Protestant Reformation, we have to state, look, you are not saved by what you do. You are not saved by the gift you give. You're not saved because you offer something financial or offer your words or your service. You're saved because of what God did. That was God's gift to you. Your salvation comes from God's activity of sending Jesus Christ to die for your sins. That's, that's your salvation. You're saved for that. But, again, as the scripture that I read illustrates, evidence of your salvation, what you do because of what God has done, are those acts of service, the way that you care for others. So though we offer that... that, that, that uh, um, Protestant disclaimer, we have to recognize that, that it's what we do because we are a, person, a people saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Because we are those people, we live a certain way. Redemption is another term within Christianity. To be redeemed means to be saved for a better purpose, for a different purpose, a future purpose. My, my grandmother, when she would receive a gift, would very carefully take the wrapping paper off and then iron it and put it in the attic to be used next year. She redeemed wrapping paper to be saved for another purpose. You were saved for a purpose, and that purpose is to love God as you love God's people. And in that way, you are God's gift to the world. I know some of you suspected that already. But you are God's gift to the world. Now to bring you down to, you know, back down to earth, so is everyone else. So is everyone else. Everyone is God's gift to the world so much that we're called to offer that gift of ourselves to others. 
to be God's gift to the world. God has gifted you to, to show the world his love like everyone else. And love is meant to be, to be more than simply overtures or faith statements or settling of arguments over doctrine or Facebook meme posts. Love for God's people means serving them as if they are Christ to you. Remember, Jesus said, whatever you did to the least of these, you have done to me. And so our sermon series that, that looks to our mission statement, our mission statement is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Our, our mission statement uh, takes us toward the idea of how is it that we're called to transform the world because we are and we have a world in deep need of transformation. How are we called to do that? And, and the way we do that through living word is those four pillars, worship, learn, serve, and celebrate. In the last two weeks, we did worship and learn. And today, we'll do serve. We're in the midst of talking about serve. And these are, these are only four. We could, we could do a dozen others, but we're going to focus on four here at Living Word. So the serve pillar reminds us that faith is an activity we engage in. It is our words and deeds, as the scripture points out. You can't show your faith by simply sitting in worship. It's one way. It's a part of it. But the way we practice it, it's one of four. It's not the only one. And you can't show your faith by sitting on the couch and watching worship. It's one way. It's one part of it. It's a great start, but there's so much more. Faith is what you do with the love that God first gave to you, the love that you learned from in worship, learned of in worship. Faith is love acted out in serving others. Serve God as you show your love for him by loving others. I want to I talk about three parts of serving. Um, and, and the third part is actually the result of the first two. But l let's look at those. The first is serve with your time. Serve with your time. I remember a song not too long ago. Okay, it's probably when I was a teen, but too much time on my hands. Or uh, an older way of putting it that you may have heard is that idle hands are the devil's playthings. You end up living your life doing things that maybe you ought not if you have extra time on your hands instead of finding time to serve the Lord. You might, you might end up doom scrolling through uh, the, the end of your day. Do you know what that is? I just learned that yesterday. It's a term I, I just learned. Do you know what doom scrolling is? Doom scrolling is, it, it, actually we've been doing it for years. We just used to do it with a newspaper or with television channels. But, but now we do it on our phone. And oftentimes what happens is we lay in bed before we go to bed and we scroll through our phone and find every terrible thing that's going on in the world. It's doom scrolling. And we just, we just become absorbed by it, and, and, and we, we end up affirming our assumptions that everybody else is a mess. And maybe also learning that we are too. Doom scrolling. I challenge you then to, to find five minutes in your day, or 15 in your week, or 55 minutes in a month to serve the Lord. Research shows, this is, this is good, real scientific research, research shows that as you serve, your faith grows. 
Your trust in God grows. Your belief in what God has done in your life and will yet do grows as you serve. That's a gift from God that as you give to others, God gives to you a deeper and stronger faith. When you serve in church or serve in the community or serve in a way that transforms lives. You know that, that person in church, you've seen them, they're always here. Whenever you show up, they're always here. There's always somebody like that. I used to joke with people, and I probably still do, that, that if you're the last one at church every Sunday, you're probably going to be a pastor. Okay, that's a threat. But, I, I mean, that's not always the truth. But, but there are some people, okay, it was me, but there are some people that that ends up to be true. But there are people who are there all the time. I want to talk about three of them just briefly, and, and they'll be so mad at me. I haven't seen them yet, so they'll be so mad at me when they watch this. Sorry. Um, there, there are these three women who are sisters who attend church here. And, and you, you may or may not know them. Um, but your worship is better because of them. You don't have a bunch of cards flying all over the place in the seat in front of you. They are ordered nicely because of them. Your bulletins are stuffed by them. They do so much around the church. Sometimes it's in children's ministry, and maybe they're downstairs right now. But these are three sisters. I call them the Sanders sisters, um, and nobody knows them by that name but me because their family grew up in the church I served down in Jackson before I moved here. And there's, I don't know, 82 kids in the family or something like that. There's a bunch. I think it was actually 13. But, but I buried their youngest sister. That's where I got to know them. Um, uh, it was at that funeral so many years ago. Uh, but the Sanders sisters are Marilyn Meadows and Karen Tumbrink and Pat Smith. And um, they serve their time behind the scenes. And you don't notice them. But if you ever do ministry, I mean, if you ever come to worship with us, you've been impacted by their ministry. They give their time to it. The next is to serve with your talents. And, and we most often refer to this in churches as the spiritual gifts. And I think that is a, a way to talk about it, but because it comes from Romans 12 and, and 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4, and actually in 1 Peter and Old Testament statements about people who have gifts and abilities, talents, that they use to serve God. Today's interpretation would be that the very same gifts and talents that have made you who you are today, made you successful at work, and, 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 and that, that give you a deep sense of joy when you live them out, that, that those, those gifts and talents are from God and meant to be used at least in part, be used to glorify God. I remember talking, uh, hearing about a, a man that was pa a member of a church, excuse me, and um, in his career, he was a logistics guy, ended up owning a logistics company. Now, a logistics company makes sure that, that you, what you have over here gets to where you want it over there, whatever that is. And so by train or, or, or boat or, or bus or whatever it is, make sure that what you need from here to there gets from here to there in a timely manner and doesn't end up over there. It doesn't end up lost or, or, or whatever. That's a logistics company. And this, this man, was, was he ended up owning his own logistics company. He loved the fact that his church had a great youth group. Just wanted nothing to do with being a part of the youth group. Did not want to serve in that way. Didn't feel called to serve in that way. But whenever that youth group went on a mission trip, 
Whenever that youth group went on, went on a retreat, whenever they, whenever they went to camp, they got from here to there in the right way. They, they got from here to there and they were ready for them. The meal was ready. The hotel room was ready. The church basement was ready. The, the camp was ready. Because he used the talents that he had to assure that this could happen in the right way. You know, there are, there are uh, churches, certainly, but there are also non-for-profits that can really use the gifts and talents you have. So, so whether you serve in church or you serve in a nonprofit organization, you will transform the lives of others. You can, and it can happen. The final one is, is serve with your finances. And I, I was employed by a, a guy one time who told me, a boss told me, um, you have two assets, your time and your abilities. And if you use those properly, you will be compensated for it. Time and talent results in finances and your compensation. You've gained that compensation through your time and talents in your work life. And those time and talents combined to be finances makes it possible for current and future generations to serve with their time and talents just as it was done for you. You are the benefactor of those Christians who have served and loved God as they have served and loved you over the last 2,000 years. Imagine that. Every one of them has been a part of giving you the gift of this moment in worship. All of the people that came before, whether it was a part of this church, Living Word, or the previous iteration that was called Ellisville United Methodist Church, or the United Methodist Church, or before that, the Methodist Church, or before that, the Church of England, or before that, the Catholic Church, all the way back to the time of Jesus, you are the benefactor of people being faithful in the way they've served God in history. And so every year we, we ask you to, to be faithful as well. And, and, and the uh, estimate of giving card that's in your backseat uh, in front of you, you're, you're welcome to fill that out. I ask that you, you do that that, you, that you give an estimate of what you're going to do financially for the coming year so that we can make sure that we plan for it properly so that the lives of these children that we're sitting over here and all of those that they represent and those that we haven't met yet, but also their children and their grandchildren will have the benefit that you've had today. If you'll place that in the offering basket when the ushers come by later in the service, you can also do it online. There's a way to do that uh, through our website or through the Shelby Next app if you have that. But you can transform lives by the way that you serve with your time and your talent and your finances. This is All Saints Sunday as well. That's the Sunday after November 1st, or on November 1st. We also think of it as the Sunday after Halloween. But uh, All Saints Sunday is the Sunday that we remember those who have served and loved God throughout the years. But we especially at Living Word remember those who have served and loved God in the last year. 
We have a video to show in just a moment, and, and it's a, a video of the, the different people who over the last year have moved from this life to the life eternal, that have been either a part of our congregation or a part of your family. And, and I apologize if, if, if there's somebody that has lost a loved one in the last year and their, their picture doesn't show up. It's, it's, I, I do apologize ahead of time. It happens from time to time. Um, it may be that we didn't know, uh, but if you'll let us know, um, when your loved one passed, then we can pray for you and we can care for you. Uh, um, and, and, and then we'll make sure that, that we honor them in the coming year. They will all be missed and uh, it, we are saddened by that. So I want to show you this video and then I'm going to close us with a prayer of thankfulness. Let's watch the video. Let's share in a word of prayer. Gracious and loving God, what a blessing it has been to know these people. Each one of us knows them now or knew them in our life. We know the stories, the memories we hold close and cherish. We know who they've been and what they've done. 
God, may, may they be the example for us. Even if we didn't know them, may what we have been left be the example for us. That we might love and serve you as we love and serve others. With our time, with our talents. And with the result of those, our finances. God, make us faithful to the memory and to the generation yet to come. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The ushers will come now and collect the offering. <laughs>